0: Today's episode is brought to you by Captain Morgan, the official captain of Against All Odds. We're raising our glasses of Captain Morgan and Ginger, my favorite to all you captains out there. Whether you're a tugboat captain, captain of your intramural badminton team, a member of 70's super duo Captain and Tenille, or just live to have fun. You're all captains in our book. No matter how you choose to live like a captain, Captain Morgan reminds you to please drink responsibly. And he shouldn't have to remind you, but he's sweet like that. So drink responsibly, Captain's orders. If you're like me and you're not so great at planning ahead, you have to try Hotel Tonight. Hotel Tonight is an app that helps you find amazing hotel deals at the last minute, up to seven days in advance. It's perfect for a spontaneous getaway or indulging in a little staycation. All it takes is 10 seconds. If you have fat fingers like me, 13 seconds. Just three taps and a swipe. So what are you waiting for? Get in on these killer last minute deals and download the Hotel Tonight app now. Like right now. All right, welcome to Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. It's over. No more basketball playoffs. No more hockey playoffs. We're all done. I know what you're thinking. What's left to bet on? Well, not to worry. This summer, we have the NBA draft, baseball every day, WNBA, Confederations Cup soccer, hot dog eating contest, World Series of Poker, Wimbledon, Little League World Series. There's plenty on the slate. And I promise you, we are, yes, we, including you, are going to be wagering on all those things. And as usual, we'll have my pals at Degenerate Trifect on. We're going to review the bets we've all made on NBA and NHL finals. We're going to take a ride on Captain Morgan's Make Believe Riverboat Casino, where we'll tackle some fake props. We'll give you our best bets of the week, and then we'll hear from another good pal of mine with a terrible gambling problem, my food frenemy, golf analyst Joe House. We'll talk U.S. Open. He knows his shit. House cashed in on Sergio to win the Masters. Last year, he bet Danny Willett to win the Masters. Back in 1955, he put a bundle on a guy named Carrie Middlecoff to win the Masters. That one, I trust that joke to Wikipedia. Anyway, we're going to size up the U.S. Open. He's going to make us some money. I should mention now, if you have a super bad beat or if you've been on an obscure event, email me at odds at com. We'll evaluate your case, maybe induct you into the Degenerate Gambler's Hall of Fame. No inductions this week. We have four members already, and we're way behind working on their busts, which will someday be proudly displayed at our facility in Pahrump, Nevada. But right now, I want to introduce the Wizards of Wagering, the Bastions of Betting, the Degenerate Trifecta, the Parlay Kid brother and Harry. What's happening fellas? What's up, what's up guys what's going on buddy? All right now listen Harry is in Costa Rica why, I don't know why he's there, but um what what's going on there Harry you're're you're, you're gambling there you got in a fight with a pit boss already? already yeah you know I, I, I think there, there's a good chance you don't come like, I think there's like a 15 to one chance you we never see him again Darren Brian what what do you think?
1: no way no way <laughs> uh, so you remember when he first went to Vegas, right? Yeah he was living in Oswego. About, uh, we visited Vegas. He stayed in Vegas. Uh, this is, uh, he's not coming back.
2: No, that's I, it. It
1: might not even be by choice, though. I don't know if it's going to be by choice.
0: Right, right. You know, true. I went
1: rafting today. I've never
3: went rafting in my life. I'm, I'm, I'm just happy I made it out of there a lot. Yeah,
0: Harry sends me an email about two hours before the podcast and says, uh, I'll, I'll be on the podcast. I'm going rafting today. It's like, I'm going rafting today. We're, we're doing this. and if, you, if you're saying uh, I'm about to grab lunch, I would still be nervous about you making it back. Well, I'd be very nervous about you making it back in time. But we're going rafting today. But to your credit, you are here. You did call in. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's get to it. Let's, Podcast is
3: still number one.
0: There you go. And... Let's talk about the NBA Finals. Now, I picked Golden State in five. You could check Twitter if you don't believe me. Twitter always tells the truth. That was plus 250. But my best bet was Golden State in minus one and a half games. Brother Bry had it, too. It was minus 165. So I needed Golden State. We all needed Golden State to win game five. But, Darren, like you, I I get sad when the season's over. So when Durant uh, clearly fouled LeBron, which should have been his third foul, and they didn't call it, I was like, ah. that stinks. Now the game's over, and I think they went on like a 22-2 to two run. Why is that? Why do we get sad when it's over, even if we have the right team? I think that
1: was kind of an overlooked part of the game. I think Cleveland was up by about 9, right? At that time, I could be wrong. Yeah. Durant swats uh, LeBron across the head on a dunk. No foul. Would have been his third foul with 10 minutes to go in the second quarter. Changed the whole complexion. But let's face it, right, Sal, so we're... Listen, we're sports addicts, right? right? We love our, we got, we have to have our fix. It's, you know, obviously there's nothing worse than after the Super Bowl
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, when football's done. But this now seems to be taking like a close second. I don't know how you feel, but I'm a little down today. No hockey, no basketball. At least, thank goodness, I have my Yanks. So at least I have that to hang my hat on right
0: now. You do have your Yanks. We'll be talking about them a little later. You know, I put you off for seven weeks about this Yankees-Aaron Judge talk, but but you're bursting at the seams, so I know we have to talk about them. We'll get to that in a minute. Let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about that Game 5. Game opens at 8.5, Golden State's favorite, goes to 9.5. J.R. Smith hits a garbage time three. Now, I think they were up 14 with 42 seconds left. J.R. Smith hits a garbage time huh? three covers the 9.5. Golden State's now dribbling the clock out. And Durant, what happened? Did he get called for a travel, Brian? I don't even know what happened those last few seconds.
4: Yeah, yeah, it was really weird. They called him for a travel. Like He just started running with the ball and celebrating. They called him for a travel, and there was still 3.4 seconds left. But they just then all of a sudden just let the clock run out. and all of a sudden just went to zero, and that was it. Everybody was celebrating. But really, I mean, Cleveland had a chance there to get the ball back, and Maybe they would have shot it, maybe they wouldn't have, but there was definitely a chance for it to get under that original eight-and-a-half-point spread that they had.
0: Right, and I think they probably wouldn't wouldn't have shot the ball at that point. But you definitely could call it technical because uh, 745 people were on the court at the time when there was three seconds left and the clock <laughs> is running. But, okay, so Durant wins the MVP at plus 180. Uh, Brian, I want to talk to you. You had a great par- parlay last night to close out the season. Take everyone through it because it's beautiful. It's like, it's like a beautiful dish of uh, Pasta Primavera. You had all the elements involved. Take us through it.
4: I hit a five-player prop parlay that was uh, plus 821, so it's uh, 8.2 to one odds. Uh, so that one pretty early in the third quarter. I had Green over one and a half threes. He had two, but he hit those early in the game. That was scary, right? I had Thompson right. over yeah. two and a half threes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that hit early in the third quarter. I had Curry over 23 and a half points. That hit over uh, over early in the third quarter. James over one and a half threes was early in the game, and then I had James. The only thing I had to worry about was James under eight and a half free throws made. Uh, at minus 160 on that bet, and he he was one of four. So I really, even through the third quarter, I didn't really have to worry about that.
0: That was bizarre, because I think every game he went under in the free throw made uh, prop. And, and if you know if you could say what you will about the refs fixing the game, he just didn't get to the line 20 times. I don't know if he would have made 10 anyway if he got there 20 times, but he was way under 8.5 yesterday. And like you said, Draymond Green uh, hits 2. He gets that. I will thank him on your behalf. He's on Jimmy Kimmel Live tomorrow, and actually nice. tonight by the time this runs. And we needed Clay. I also had Clay over two and a half, and it really was like the first two minutes of the first half and the first two minutes of the second half. Otherwise, it, it, it was scary watching him try to try to uh, hit three threes. Harry, what did you have? You uh, Now, you were in uh, Costa Rica. You were writing out tickets, handwriting them, right?
3: They handwrite tickets here, correct, yes. And when I flew out to come to Costa Rica, I was in Las Vegas, and I sent this parlay to Brian, where I had a seven-teamer I made on the way before I left to come here on Saturday. It was a seven-teamer paying, I believe it was $780, dollars uh, for college baseball games. There was uh, uh, other base- pro baseball in there I had. Um, three of the four college baseball games I was losing in the eighth inning with minus three hundred and fifty LSU, minus five hundred A and M, minus one hundred and sixty five TCU. They all. I was telling Brian earlier. I think I got thirteen runs in the eighth inning combined those three games. I pulled all those out, so I needed Golden State money line last night for the conclusion of that seven or to pay seven hundred and eighty, which I got, and I had the book here, so. I actually bet Cleveland for a hundred to try to middle it, and I I ended up getting nine on the number, so oh. still worked out pretty nice for me.
0: The refs called the tight game, and I I think like I like Kerr having to adjust Clay and Durant on the bench in the beginning. Yet they had to fill in with Barnes, Livingston, and West. I thought that was huge because Darren, like you said, they were down nine. That could have ballooned to sixteen, and then it's like a different game. But you know, like Livingston's pretty good. <laughs> he's he's really not that bad on this team. At, at, and Iguodala, is he maybe oh. not—is he the best final six man? I mean, I guess Ginobili's the best final six man, and Robert Ori comes up with the big shots. But I think I put him ahead of Ori just overall as far as the six man in the finals.
1: What happened to the hack-a-shack on Iguodala? Yeah. Remember a couple years ago? It just doesn't rhyme. Could not hit a free throw yeah. for his life. Meanwhile, the guy's driving down the
2: lane— And people letting him dunk the ball, right? Without putting him to the line, I think he did shoot like seventy percent this year, Mm -hmm. which is uh, an
1: improvement for him over the last few years. But uh, and listen, with all the respect to him, he did have a great—he's a great playoff performer. Mm -hmm. But I think to slow the Warriors down, why not put him on the line any chance you get? At that point, they never attempted that in this series.
0: And that was the difference. That was the difference between this year and last year. Like, that Game 7, Curry had to make every shot. He had to come a, a, over the wing, and he had to make okay. that shot, and they were beating the hell out of him. It was like Eastern Conference basketball in the uh, in the 90s, and they had no answer Nine. for it. Yep. Now, obviously, they have Durant, and it's like now Curry is open all the time. He becomes like John Paxson with like 10 times the talent. They had 121.6 points per game, and the second largest average scoring margin at plus 13.5 Um, Let me get this real quick, Brian. I don't know if you saw this. Our friend Dave Tooley supplied this stat. The favorites and the overs dominated the playoffs. 44-31-3. That's what the uh, favorites were. And the overs were 48-30-1. And And that all spells disaster for Vegas and maybe even Costa Rica, if if Harry could report on it. But uh, have you ever seen, Brian, so many overs and and favorites? No. I mean...
4: That's, I mean, that's nuts, that 40 and 30 number. I mean, it it really is crazy. What are they going to do next year with the over-unders in the playoffs? Like, what... What can you set the over-unders at, like 245? I mean, it's getting ridiculous because why, at this point, why would you take the under? I mean, we'll get to that later, but I, I took the under last week in a game, but that was really stupid of me.
0: Yeah, and you know, our friend Alec is like, oh, I don't want to see these guys on the bench. Like, don't call any fouls. Like, I, I don't think a lot of fouls means the refs aren't doing their job. I would like to see these games in the 110s, like... I don't know. The all-star game is fun once a year. I don't want to see it yeah. seven more times in the finals. You know, well, let, let these guys sit a little. Let's see a little coaching. Let's see a little strategy.
1: Wouldn't you say the higher the scoring the games, you're more susceptible, susceptible to these blowouts? Right. Right, so we have more blowouts, right? You never Ooh. see, when do you ever see it? One thirty-five, one thirty-four.
2: Right. You never see that. No. So
1: the higher the scoring game, the less competition, as you remember in the '90s when we rooted for the Knicks, mm-hmm. every game was like 83, 81. Right. Every possession meant something, and these games, one possession to the next, really doesn't mean a lot. It really doesn't mean a lot, and I kind of miss that. I know I think this offensive uh, extravaganza we're seeing here in basketball is—I guess it's good for for business, but I'm not sure for the die-hard fans how good it is.
0: We need it somewhere in the middle. It's getting away. It's getting a, a, a yeah. little carried away. Look, no one likes the Knicks, Spurs. I think the Knicks scored like sixty-eight points in the finals game in, in yeah. that series. That nobody yeah. wants to see that. But but this this is getting out of control now. Let's take a look at next year. Golden State, I see minus two hundred to win the title. Cleveland three to one. San Antonio twelve to one. Boston fifteen to one. Depending on where you look, those are four teams. They're the only four teams offering odds better than forty to one. Is that too crazy? Like, I don't remember that wow. before. That, that
3: has to be a first. Maybe the Spurs can compete if they get Paul.
2: If mm-hmm. they don't
3: get Paul, Boston still might put up uh, decent wins, but they're not going to compete with Cleveland still, I don't think. And unless you can't compete with Golden State, unless Paul makes a move, and San Antonio still brings in somebody else to even possibly compete against Golden
0: State. Right. No, so if I offered you guys, like, I don't know the odds on it, but Cleveland-Golden State to play in the finals, I don't know, Brian. What do you think? Is it much better than even odds?
4: So what I did is I did a little bit of an analysis here, and based on um, the lines right now for the championship, I thought mm-hmm. it would make sense that a Cleveland— uh, Golden State rematch next year would be like minus 220. That seems really weird, right? Wow.
0: Still high. But yeah. uh,
4: I was basing that off of, I, I would think Golden State next year in the West is going to be like minus 600 to win the West and then like minus 350 to win the championship. That's how you get to like the minus 200. Right. And then the Cavs are about minus 400 to win the East and then like plus 300 to win the West and that's how you get to like 4-1 to one, which right. is what I saw today. So oh. based on those odds, uh, it would look like minus two twenty, but I would still uh, I would still take it. I don't know what else I would take at this
0: point. Yeah, I was going to say if it's minus two twenty, that this isn't this isn't a very good offer. But what about you, Parlay Kid? If I offered you Cleveland, Golden State Finals, or every single other combination, which do you go with?
1: Yeah, I, mean, I think the odds would say you'd have to take Golden State and the Cleveland. Right. I do feel, however, I, I kind of disagree a little bit with Harry. I do think that the Celtics or Wizards could take the next step. And could be in prime position to maybe give Cleveland a run for their money next year. But I still would say the odds you'd want Golden State, and Cavs, if you had to put your money on it. I and mean, what else do you really see at this moment right now? Uh, not much else.
0: That's it. Which yeah. I
1: don't. I don't know if that's great for basketball, but
0: Knicks. next three hundred to one. You biting? Anyone uh-huh. binding on that? No. Uh-huh. Yeah, I figured. All I right, let's,
1: nobody's let's on that.
0: <laughs> let's switch to the NHL. Uh, Penguins finished off the Predators in six games. Pens were minus one fifty-five to start the series. Pens in six got you five to one odds. I felt like everyone outside Pittsburgh was rooting for Nashville. And then after that quick whistle in the second period denied Nashville the one-nothing lead, everybody in the universe was rooting for Nashville. Brian, uh we we were out. I was out on the road. I don't know what I was doing, but you quickly recorded that and sent it. That's a crazy quick whistle, right? It doesn't get faster than that.
4: Yeah, I sent, I sent you a video right right away of it. And, uh, yeah, the official was way out of position. He, he blew the whistle as soon as it hit the goalie. It just was so bad because it, from the other angle, you could see it clearly deflected off of him, and then Sisson scored right away. But, again, they blew the whistle, so it makes sense that they couldn't allow the goal. But, right. I mean, that is a that is a terrible break there for the Predators because going up one nothing there, The way that game was being played, I really think Nashville wins that game, and it goes to a Game 7. I was really rooting for a Game 7. I also had a bunch of money on uh, the Predators with uh, Nadal and Golden State minus 8.5, so uh, I was pretty upset.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know. I I know that they have to blow the whistle, but like in in football, don't they do, if they blew the whistle too soon, and then they realize they blew it too soon, isn't it an immediate recovery is granted. Like I feel like they need to do something like that in hockey like all right, we can't give you a goal but maybe get a penalty shot or something. It's just it's just too much too much to overcome for the team that got screwed there. But there was it was very poor officiating the past weekend in hockey and you know game 5 wasn't awful I don't think in the NBA, but game 4 was atrocious. I mean, I was that whole Draymond Green technical, did he get a technical? Everyone in the arena thought he had the first technical, but then they changed it. <laughs> the refs, like, I, I was real, I was waiting for the Undertaker to come out with a steel chair there. That was, that was really <laughs> ridiculous. Got me thinking, what was the worst gambling loss you ever suffered due to bad officiating? Harry, what, how would, you, what would you say?
3: The night of Monday night when the Packers uh, played Seattle in Seattle mm-hmm. and the Russell Wilson toss in the end zone, to Golden State, which obviously wasn't a touchdown, shouldn't have been a touchdown. I had Golden State on the I don't Golden State. I had uh, Green Bay on the money line. And how do you, how do you, uh, the referee didn't know what to call. And then all of a sudden he put his arms up in the air and said, touchdown when he had Packers on the money line. It just shouldn't have happened. And it
0: did. It's a famous picture. One referee signaled incomplete, one signaled catch. And uh, those were replacement officials, weren't they?
3: The replacement officials. And I mean, for something like that, that I mean, that's. You can't draw anything up like that. That's just, I know other things are, are different in terms of losing type of game and whatever when the referees, but that was at the end. That was at the end of the, end of the game. Not in the middle where it was a bad call, like we just discussed about the hockey, but an absolute end of the game, last play. And both guys, you're right, both said one said touchdown, one said incomplete. Right. And to give it the touchdown when it should have been incomplete, actually it should have been intercepted. Uh, right. What are you going
0: to do with that? That was, on, that was the worst. Parlay kid. what do you say? What was your I biggest worry. screw job?
1: June 9th, 2012, uh, Manny Pacquiao, Timmy Bradley. Yep. Bradley gets the decision. Now, this obviously was judges,
2: right. not
1: referees.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I just remember watching that fight, thinking at the end of the fight, there is no way. That I thought Pacquiao had obviously won the fight. Uh, I had some money on it. I didn't have a, a ton of money on it, but... I just look back at that thinking, I don't know how Bradley won that fight. There was something was just wrong about that decision. Uh, uh, And I I couldn't even tell you who the judges were, but I do remember that. It was about five years ago now when that fight took place. And uh, that sticks in my mind. That, That fight. I know Pacquiao won the next two. Yeah. I still thought the first fight, he won just as uh,
0: easily as he did the next two. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what was wrong with that decision. Pacquiao had power punches 190-108, to 108 and he, he had the power punch advantage. Yeah, that was ridiculous. And I remember thinking after that, I'm like, I'm never betting boxing again. And I'll tell you I'll what, I I, I, right. I stuck to it for a good three or four weeks. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, we definitely had the rematch and <laughs> everything else. But, uh, yeah, that is a sinking feeling in your stomach when that happens. What do you say, brother Brian? What was your worst?
4: Yeah, I mean, I agree with the boxing. I mean, we say that like every, like two or three weeks, every time there's a fight that we shouldn't bet boxing anymore. Right. But you kind of know better, I would say, with boxing. Whereas uh, my worst bet, I had a a lot of money on the money line part. Uh, well, money line with the Cowboys uh, over the Packers in the 2014 2015 divisional oh, playoff no. game, and that that was the Dez Bryant no catch. No. So I still oh. haven't seen. I still haven't seen enough evidence guys that said his fingers weren't curled under that ball a little bit so i i know we go back and forth on this all the time but i'm still uh very upset about that law
0: and brian you're in tune with this catch no catch rule more than just about anyone i know certainly more than players and uh, some (laughs) referees or or experts that weigh in in the broadcast booth and um yeah because we're always like no no that was a catch you're like no it wasn't a catch and here's why but Yeah, that one doesn't make sense. And it hurt. Darren and I were just too emotional about it. But you still say it's a catch, right?
4: Oh, it was still a catch. I mean, his left hand, his fingers were curled under that ball. I know it pops up, but there's nothing to say like his hand hit the ground first, which caused the ball to pop up, not the ball actually hit in the ground. So. Yeah, I, don't, I can't remember what the money line odds were, but I know the Cowboys were like plus 200 and something. So that was a big, you know, that could have been a big win for me. And that, But I, the funny thing is I can't believe that was only two years ago. That seems like it was like 10 years ago.
0: I know, that's insane. Brian, do
4: you know what the funny thing is, though, about yeah. that? <laughs> What's that, Eric? Is that the week
3: before, talking about referees, the we referee yeah. should have called the personal foul on Dez, and the Cowboys would have never been in that game. Oh, here, we go, here we go, here we go.
0: You're talking about the Lions. Lions
3: would have beat Dallas, and there wouldn't even been that game.
0: The problem with that is, first of all, it's face guarding. We see it all the time. The second thing is, the Lions had the ball four more times after that. So, how could you even compare the two? I mean, no, the Packers had it once more after this game. But
1: (laughs) this catch, Romo wins Super Bowl. He goes to the Hall of Fame. That's it, Harry. You know it.
0: There you (laughs) go. My worst gambling loss. I'm just going to say Central Michigan over Oklahoma State. Uh, I have Oklahoma State money line. They're up four with the ball, four seconds left. It doesn't get worse than that. So on fourth down, the Oklahoma State quarterback drops back, throws it out of bounds or throws it in the air, They call intentional grounding. Now, the game should end. You either take the penalty or you don't. If you take the penalty, there's no time on the clock. It's not like a defensive penalty where the game continues. If you don't take the penalty, they get another play, I guess, right? But no. So they get the ball. Hail Mary for Central Michigan. And they win. And here's how you know it's bad. The crew was suspended for two weeks afterwards. That's it. That doesn't happen in America. That happens in Costa Rica or Never. other places Harry will uh, travel to. The crew suspended two weeks. The team won't even acknowledge the loss. They got rings for winning a stupid bowl game, and they didn't even acknowledge the loss. I don't think it will ever, as long as sports are around, will ever get worse than that for uh, an officiating screw-up for me. Now let's finish off hockey. Crosby won the Smythe 260. Darren Bryan, you guys disagree with this
1: problem I have uh Malkin has had one more point he had more goals they had a much better plus minus plus-minus. and as we've talked about before Crosby got it last year when he really didn't deserve it so I thought they gifted him one last year uh I didn't think they would do it again I think he obviously was better this year than last year in the playoffs he's a great player okay but uh you know, the, it's it's one of those strange things why the NHL really loves they love Crosby almost as much as they love Gretzky, uh, and I can't really figure that out uh, too much. So uh, I would have liked to have seen Malkin win the uh, the con this year. And so it's one of these things. Had you parlayed Durant and Crosby before the finals, yeah, uh, that would have been a plus nine hundred for you know, Durant winning MVP, right? Crosby winning con It's
0: one of those that you look back at and go. Well, that was way too easy. Yeah. That was way too easy. How did not
1: how did every gambler in the world not take that? No. Right? I, I mean it just seems too.
0: Yeah, right? yeah. as you pointed out, the consmite is different from the NBA uh finals MVP yeah. because it takes the whole playoffs into account. Now that said, Pekka Rene, was he was gonna win if Nashville <laughs> won the cup. He was gonna win the MVP and it didn't make sense to me. He was chased twice. If if the Preds win game seven five four. He wins that MVP, he wins the con Smite, that just there was just nobody else to win it. So the whole thing is, needs to be reevaluated, I think. Now listen, this brings us to our sponsored segment. Now, this Captain Morgan, I don't know if you guys have met him, but he's done a great thing. He has allowed us, he's he's created this riverboat, it's make-believe riverboat casino, and he's invited the four of us on it. And while we're on this boat, the degenerate trifecta and I. We set sail. We tackle these make-believe gambling propositions related to sports and pop culture events. And like I said, Darren is bursting at the seams. Let's start with this fake prop, although it should be a real one. Aaron Judge, Yankee sensation, over-under 44.5 home runs. He is now minus 110 to win the home run title.
1: So do you know that he's already surpassed any minor league uh, home run total he had for a season?
2: I did read his about highest that. highest in the
1: minor leagues was 21 home runs. He has now surpassed it already. So, I think this he's still a young kid. He is 25. He's not one of these 21-year-old kids. Uh, he is 25 years old. But I think he's due for about two dry spells here. 44 and a half. I think he's going to get around 40. Uh, and uh, his average is way higher than anybody could expect it. But I, I just don't... I, I could see it maybe... Uh, and a year or two from now, beating that forty-four and a half. And you know, I love this kid. Yeah, I do. Uh, he's like he's like Derek Jeter on steroids, but he's not on steroids. You know, he's just he's a, he's
2: a freak.
0: Well, let, he's me- a freak. let maybe, okay. let's slow down with the. Uh, he's not on steroids, right? He gained he, the reason he didn't have great minor league stats. He gained thirty pounds since he got to New York. Now. I don't. I haven't gained thirty. If I gain thirty pounds in New York, it's on uh, Sicilian pizza and black and white cookies. So I don't know what he's doing. God bless him. Just a
1: young kid that was a three-sport high school athlete, star basketball player, star football player,
4: and now he's just finally dedicated to baseball and he's just hitting his stride right now. All right, Harry. Harry. How do Harry? How do you gain thirty pounds that quickly?
0: (laughs) Harry, over or under?
4: I'm gonna go under because of that 340 average, he's going
3: he's gonna, to he's gonna be able to maintain it, it the way it looks right now in terms of that area. So I think the home runs might be still high, but not at that level. So I'm
4: going to go with the
0: under. All right, yeah. Brother Brian, what do you think?
4: right now he's on pace at 58 home runs. I think I'll tell you what's going to happen. He's going to go into the home run derby. He's going to have about 70, 75 home runs in that derby. Mm-hmm. He's going got to come out of that. He's going to hit between 12 and 15 home runs. And he's going to end up the season at like 39, 40 homers. Uh, I mean, like Darren said before, like, him hitting 35 home runs based on his career stats is a lot, so uh, eventually uh, eventually he's going to calm down a little bit, but I'd take the under by just a little
0: bit here. And they'll pitch around him and all that stuff, and he'll, he'll, he'll have a great exactly. on-base p- percentage. Yeah, Tino Martinez had 30 for you guys at an all-star break, I remember, and he ended up with 45. It's just hard to keep up that pace. All right, more importantly, does this guy date a Kardashian with the next, in, within the next four years? Yes is minus 135, no plus 115, Harry, what are you saying?
3: I'm going to say no, because he's going to date a Kardashian. They're usually on the, on the West Coast. A lot of times they're doing things in L.A. And him playing in New York, the, the time to be able to see one of them, it, it would be limited. And I think he's focused, Darren. I think, like I said, that's 340 average. He's focused. So I'm going to say no.
0: Yeah. yeah, and let's keep in yeah. mind Kim married a New Jersey net, so your East Coast thing it, it holds a lot of water. Your thing, all right.
4: I'm pretty sure the Yankees have two things in that contract, right? There's, they have to have short haircuts, and they probably can't date Kardashians. <laughs> so, if you look at the if you look at the history of athletes who have dated the Kardashians, they've been pretty bad, I think, during the seasons that they've dated. So you have like right Harden. Uh You have Tristan Thompson, who was pretty much a no-show until last night. You have uh, Reggie Bush, who actually was pretty good after he broke up with Kim. Uh, Uh Miles Austin, probably after that breakup, probably disappeared off the face of the earth. Um, So I'm definitely going to say no. I think he is uh, smarter than that at this point.
0: All right. I'm going to say yes, because I think he is smarter than that. I think he he aligns himself with Courtney. He raises those kids. Makes that Scott Disick uh, jealous, you know? The guy's making out with uh, in the Vegas pools. It's, it's like Harry in Costa Rica over there. But I think I'm going to say yes. Within the next four years, he does Data Kardashian. Uh, Conor McGregor, Floyd Mayweather, all but signed. Will they make contact at the weigh-ins? Yes, minus 260. No, plus 220. They could go nose-to-nose. Any contact. And will a punch be thrown at the weigh-in? You could say no, minus 600. Yes, Plus four fifty. You know what? I'll throw a kick in there too. Punch or kick. What do you say, Harry?
3: Contact. I'll say yes. But just because it's got to, it's got to build up to the hype. That it, it, it usually happens with uh, big fights, big UFC fights, and it would just make. You got, it's got to be built up even more, even though it's already built up as much as possibly can almost. So I still think that it's got to. If they're going to do that, it's got to make for
4: more of a
0: possible bigger fight. So I'm going to go yes, definitely. All right. Brian, what do you think?
4: Yeah, I'm going to say McGregor's going to do everything he can to promote this fight. So I'm going to say yes to both. I mean, I kind of like the uh, plus 450 odds you're giving me for the uh, throw a punch or a kick or whatever. But uh, I think he's, like I said, he's going to do everything. He He wants to show that he's the main part of the attraction here and he's driving a lot of the buys. So I think he's going to... You know, definitely do everything he can. I mean, I think there's probably a better chance he lands a punch at the weigh in than he does actually in the fight. Um, And speaking of that, at this point, Sal, we really need to take out a million dollar loan from Baby Doll, go to Vegas, and put a lot of money or that million dollars on Mayweather minus 750.
0: Yeah, I like it too. I like it Darren. What do you think about this weigh-in? I, I I agree with Brian. I think Connor doesn't throw a punch during the actual fight, but maybe maybe during the during the uh, weigh-ins.
1: Yeah, so you know what, especially if you're saying that there doesn't have to be contact on the punch, there's going to be there's somebody is throwing a punch. Yeah. Uh whether it's McGregor, a trainer coming in from behind and hitting somebody, something is happening there uh during that weigh-in like like Harry and Brian said so I I'd say yes on both accounts uh this this they're going to have obviously this, they don't really need to hype this fight up that much I think there's this that's going to do it on its own but I do think like Brian saying, McGregor uh this is where he can kind of do his thing because I'm not sure how much he's going to really do in the ring right. uh versus Mayweather so I think you'll see almost more action during the weigh in uh
0: at that point. Yeah, I mean, I could see like a Coke Zero being thrown or something at 3-1 to one odds. Maybe they don't throw punches, but that seems to be Connor's move. He, he picks up whatever beverage is closest. All right, we're, we're going a little off the page a little, but Wonder Woman had a $103 million opening. Uh, if we were to set odds, I would say Spider-Man, which is coming out next month, minus $32 million over Wonder Woman for a better opening weekend. Harry, what do you think? Do you care about any of this? I saw Wonder Woman, actually. Oh, so you did? I thought,
3: I thought it was fantastic. I did see it. I thought it was fantastic. But, you know, and I saw the previews for Spider-Man actually before that. And it's just, you know, it's got the um, aspect of a different take in a Spider-Man movie, you know. So it's not like the ones with Tobey Maguire. It's, it's a little different. So I know people are big Spider-Man fans and it did well in the box office. But I'm going to still say...
4: Uh, Wonder Woman is the winner since uh, it's been doing so good as as of now.
0: Brian, what do you say?
4: Yeah, I'm going to take uh, Wonder Woman too. I know this has a really good cast, right? You got uh, Iron Man, Captain America, mm-hmm. Michael Keaton. I think is in this one, um, but I don't know. That seems like a lot, 135 million. I mean, at this point, aren't people sick of uh, Spider Man? I mean, this is the third installment. Yeah. I had to look it up, like, on July 4th yeah. weekend, I think that uh, The Amazing Spider-Man came out, and that only made, like, $62 million. But uh, I know Jimmy loved this, right? He and really the did. Itself.
0: He went crazy about it. Yeah, so. he's, he's one of the few that's seen it. But mm-hmm. you know what? I think he was excited because the kid has a Mike Piazza poster. He's, from, he's supposed to be from Queens, so mm-hmm. that, that might have been enough for him to put the uh, review over the top.
4: I know, but I'm going to take uh, Wonder Woman in that one. But I'll say it's close. I'll say it's probably like between one fifteen and one thirty right. for the opening weekend.
0: Parlay, kid. What are you saying?
1: Yeah, well, so I'll go against the trend here, and I'll go with Jimmy.
2: Oh, all yeah, right. I'll,
1: I'll go with Jimmy. I think this is going to. I think this is going to be uh, bigger than Wonder Woman. Uh, I tell you what. Like Brian said, it is the sixth Spider-Man movie since two thousand two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Tobey Maguire. And Andrew Garfield, I, I don't. Does anybody really like? did they, anybody find them likable? This hmm. Tom Holland kid, he's hot. Yeah. I think he, I think Harry would say he's hot. Um, <laughs> and he, he was terrific as a kid in the movie The uh, The Impossible. I think he was in with Naomi Watts. Right. Uh, I think people are gonna come out to see this kid, uh, and I think it's going against nothing. Uh, it, uh, it is going against uh, I think something called a ghost story. With your buddy Casey Affleck in, in that, but mm-hmm. uh, that seems kind of uh, mundane. Uh, that movie, so I'm going to say July 7th that weekend. I, I think Spider-Man is going to hit it big, uh, especially with uh, you know guys like Jimmy really uh, promoting it, uh, you know, standing behind it. So All right, I'm going to say uh, yes
0: to that. I like that. All right, I'm going to go Wonder Woman. I think it was too high. 103 is a, is a big number. That Gal Gadot is spectacular looking. She's been on the show. Harry, even better looking than some of the pictures of the girls you're sending me poolside in uh, Costa Rica. But (laughs) I'm going to say it's close, but uh, Wonder Woman covers the spread. So that's another week of Captain Morgan's make-believe Riverboat Casino. And remember, no matter how you live like a captain, Captain Morgan reminds you to please drink responsibly. Captain's orders, Harry. All right? Now listen, let's get to our best bets. Harry... You won on last week. You had Cleveland in Game Three, first to twenty points, right? Yes. But then at nineteen seventeen, LeBron collided with a teammate and looked like he was dead. He really uh, did, and I was dying laughing. That was a, the biggest laugh I got. A whole, oh, I, I know,
3: I, I know you were. Right? You, sent the, you know, and then then it got to nineteen nineteen, and then but LeBron was, somehow didn't have to sit out. He was in the back in the game, and he drove the lane, and he laid it up, and it bounced around, and it fell, and i win twenty one nineteen and then of course you, you know, you know, send me a, instead of instead of sending me a message saying, Hey, nice win, nice uh, nice W that's two in a row. Yeah. Send me that message saying uh, if that would have lost, that would have been hilarious.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I am sorry. I didn't know uh I didn't know you were a seven year old and lost a little league game. You needed all the, the, the condolences sent your way. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no, it was funny. It was a funny thing. Who'd you who's your best bet this week?
3: I'm gonna go with Wisconsin native Steve Stricker to finish in the top twenty. And parlay it with
4: Henrik Stenson to finish in the top twenty.
0: All right, Brian, uh, you have
4: the odds on those. Yeah, so Stricker top twenty was like plus four twenty-five, and Stenson was plus one twenty-five, and that was that parlay of the two of them is uh, plus one thousand
0: eighty-one. Okay, so almost uh, almost uh, eleven now. So. Stenson and Stricker to make the top 20. All right, brother Brian, you had under 227.5 in game three, right? Was that your best bet last week?
4: Yeah, and that loss. You said right away that was frightening, and it was frightening. I thought like halfway through the second, it was looking okay, and then there was a run of like 50 points in two minutes. So. Well, I look, knew it was going to be tough. Yeah. Although at the end of the game, it was 1-14, 1-13 with like twenty seconds left, but uh, they sealed it with uh, like four. Yeah, breakers, you had a, so you had a
0: root that for what's frightening a two hours and forty five minutes. And like I, we read the stats on how the overs were killing in the playoffs, but but overall overs and unders that they, they even out. The problem is betting or rooting against the over or rooting for the under. You know, like I said, you you could have a three minute stretch with no scoring. And that doesn't feel nearly as good as three straight threes feels terrible. So it's, it's just emotionally it's bad. But you're going to bounce back. Who do you like this week?
4: Yes, yeah, so I'm taking Andre Ward this week, uh, minus 155 over Sergey Kovalev. Uh, it's a highly anticipated light heavyweight uh, rematch this Saturday. Uh, while the four of us went to the last... Fight, and I think we all profited off of it. A lot of people thought Kovalev won that one. Mm -hmm. Uh, He definitely dominated the first six rounds, but then Ward was able to adjust and took control over the last six. I think he found something there in the last six rounds, and I think he builds on it. So I think Ward will probably win. a. I have Ward to win in general, but I think he'll win a decision like 7-5 or 8-4. But I will say, why aren't we going to this fight this weekend, too? We, We really should be going,
0: right? We should be going. We went last time, and I have a video. Like you said, we all won money. Uh, but even so, Darren, the Parlay kid, you were a little upset at the decision. Ward had got knocked down like in the second round, and just like seemed mm. to be overpowered the first half of the fight, and then fought back. Yep. I thought it was close. That decision was close. I thought. Well, they all had 114, 113. I think Ward won seven rounds, and Kovalev won five plus the knockdown, so it would have been a one point decision. What do you say, Parlay kid? You went two for three on your Parlay, right?
1: Oh, yeah, two for three. And, you know, again, it's a loser on a parlay. I lost with uh, the one I lost with was the Warriors under. I had, a, I had them under one fifteen and a half, and a half. And, of course, that 11-0 run in the last basically two minutes of the game the other night uh, did me in. Uh, it was unfortunate. It would have been a nice parlay to hit. Uh, however, I'm still up uh, on my picks. And, uh, actually, if you took my parlays and just took – Made them individual bets. Say, uh, <laughs> you would actually be up uh, almost four hundred of uh, Your Majesty's.
0: Uh, <laughs> you could say uh, it. <laughs> with
1: my picks. But well, well, uh, you're again, the parlay like the kid. Parlays.
0: You can You can't endorse I'm the individual. I kid. I ha-
1: of, of course, of <laughs> okay. course. Although Brian, right, Brian is much hotter on the parlays than I am right now. Uh, I would say this. So, getting back to that fight with Kovalev, I thought. And again, I am just going off memory. Seven months ago. Uh, I believe it was about seven months ago now. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought Kovalev dominated the first six rounds, and I thought Ward scratched out the other six rounds, maybe. Uh, So I think if you really were to say, uh, if you looked at that fight, in the rounds that Kovalev won, I thought he was the much more dominant fighter in the rounds he won right. than the rounds Ward won. Would mm-hmm. you agree with that,
0: Sal? Yeah, I think so. All I right, think so. I, I think you, once he got in a rhythm, I think Ward was winning those rounds, eight, nine, 10, 11. But yeah, there, was some, there were some close ones where he just outworked them a little bit. But yeah, I thought Kovalev won his rounds more decisively. So who do you like in the fight? So
1: in, in this fight, I like Kovalev at plus 125. Uh, and parlay that with the over nine and a half rounds at minus 400 uh, that comes out to uh, plus 180 parlay uh, and uh, I like it I like it I think it's it's worth the risk. Kovalev uh, I, I sometimes think the advantage goes to the guy that lost he's got a, he might be a little bit more uh, hungry than Ward this time although Ward's got uh, his undefeated uh, record on the line. so uh, I just think Kovalev, Pulls this one out by this again the slightest of margin.
0: Well, remember Ward got the decision that was back in November when things were a a little weird between the United States and Russia. It's changed. (laughs) Oh no, wait, no, it's still the same. All right, Coley brothers going against each other. I'm three and three on the podcast. Mm. Uh, I won first half and and game Warriors game three this week. My best bet, Jason Day to finish in the top 10. He's coming off a great finish at the Memorial. He's one of four golfers who have made the cut in all of the last five years at the Open. Four top 10 finishes in the Open, four, fourth, ninth, and eighth the last three years. He fares well in these giant Wisconsin courses. think he won at Whistling Straits. He's playing for his mom. He's battling cancer. Minus 105, Jason Day, to make the top 10. And we will be talking more golf in a second with Joe House when we return on Against All Odds. See you, fellas.
3: Bye, everybody.
0: My friend Joelle swears by Hotel Tonight. She has a rich brother who lives in New York, but rather than stay with him because she doesn't get along with the brother's wife, you know what she does? She hits up the Hotel Tonight app. She waits until the last night and always gets a great deal. Hotel Tonight, perfect for people who can't get along with relatives and those who can. These aren't last resort places. They're actually cool, top-rated hotels you want to stay in. Hotel Tonight is perfect for a spontaneous getaway or finally going on that trip you've been wanting to take for a while. Because even though the app's name is Hotel Tonight, you can book up to a week in advance. All it takes is 10 seconds, just three taps, and a swipe. So be like Joel and get in on these killer last-minute deals. Download the Hotel Tonight app right now. All right, welcome back to Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. You know, I met my next guest some years ago through the great Bill Simmons. He loves to eat. He loves to gamble. He won't admit it, but I think he likes me more than Bill right now.
5: Joe House, welcome to Against All Odds. Cousin Sal, I am I'm, I'm humbled. I'm honored. And I have to be honest, I'm a little hungry.
0: What? How are you hungry? Wait a minute. It's, about, it's Eight, about nine o'clock on the East Coast. 845
5: East Coast. You know, I don't like to work on a full stomach. Right. And when we're we're talking about allocating capital here, we're talking mm-hmm. about, you know, return on investment, making a few. Prop wagers here in connection with the 2017 U.S. Open. Mm-hmm. I want to be lean, mean, and and a little bit, you know, angry about it. All right. Wow. Well, that knowing you, that is the ultimate sacrifice to
0: skip dinner. I know that's <laughs> that's very big. You know, I've done over 150 hidden camera bits over the years on Jimmy Kimmel Live, but the one piece of video I'm most proud of is a little thing called House Eats 3. If you haven't seen it, dig it up online. Make sure you haven't eaten about three days before viewing. But it it is spectacular, and it's Joe Joe and I. I like to team up with him, but this this one instant, we went head-to-head in, a, in an eating contest, and, oh, I don't want to ruin it. What do you have to say about it?
5: I am just glad that I survived. <laughs> it's top three, one of the funniest things I've ever participated in, and I'm glad to report that my clothes came away w- without any damage whatsoever. <laughs> right. Let's leave it at that.
0: <laughs> Let's leave it at that. But yes, th- do look it up if you haven't and if you haven't seen it before. Um yeah, well, I, yeah, I lose. I don't come out looking good at all. I will say that. But we're going to talk lots of golf in a minute, but I want to talk basketball real quick with you. You pounded the Warriors. You were able to disregard Simmons' warnings and you went Warriors, Warriors, Warriors every game and obviously only one game it didn't work out. Now, we both had Golden State minus one-and-a-half games, so they can win 4-2, 4-1, or sweep. And you had a great, a beautiful parlay. You had Kevin Durant MVP and Golden State to win in five. Talk about nailing it. That was almost paid nine-to-one odds.
5: Congratulations. Yeah, I, I I love that one. It felt like um, the hedge to the sweep. So I, I really believed in the sweep. I mean— I got on with Bill uh Simmons on the Bill Simmons podcast before the series started. And, you know, we were kind of doing a little forecasting. What do you think? How do you feel? What do the odds look like? And he started doing some of this pundit stuff, you know, well, it could be this. And I don't like to go against LeBron. And I just had to put my foot down. I called him the P word. Right. I mean, good. I told him he was a he was a waffling hedging P word. <laughs> I wasn't having it. I loved the um the narrative this year, it was a. I felt like there was a story here that needed to be fulfilled, which was the Warriors uh, validating not just the the season that they had um, previously, the regular season seven three and nine, and Cleveland snatched away that validation, but also this uh, unprecedented run through the playoffs, winning every single game. So I liked the idea of the sweep just for, because I like the story, right. but it felt like if you were going to hedge. Against the sweep, the hedge to me felt like that Warriors and five and KD as the MVP. That worked out great, and you're
0: right; he is the P word. I'm I'm surprised our president isn't constantly grabbing at him. He's such the P word, I know. But we, it's um, <laughs> true. Yeah, and and we you, Simmons and I he convinced me to bet uh, every other team but Golden State uh, to win the title. Golden State will not win the title. This is like you said, a 73 win team. Pissed off. They get Kevin Durant and we have everybody else. And that uh didn't stand the chance. But uh the NBA is it's not over for us yet though. We have we have that MVP no. bet. I don't feel good about it. You want to tell people what we have there?
5: We were both um really intrigued at the beginning of the season by by James Harden. The books turned their backs on him because of how he turned his back on the Houston team the previous season, 2015, uh-huh. 2016. He led them to a very stinky 43-44 win season when everybody had very high hopes for them. And the books punished him in the MVP odds at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. And all of us, me, you, and Bill Simmons had a conversation amongst ourselves and said, mm, 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 there's something interesting. I mean, you know, maybe there's some bounce back. Plus, Houston reconstituted on the fly. They right. got a new coach in there and DeAntoni, and they picked up some very important um, assets they were highly uh, complimentary to Mr. Harden's skill set, so we liked him at twenty to one. I liked him so much, I went at him again at eight to one. Right. I doubled down on the on the bet as the odds moved during the course of the season. Um, I did talk myself into a hedge on on Kawhi because there was a stretch there in like February where he was going nuts and the Spurs' record. Um, was it once again just an unbelievable record by by the Spurs. They just uh-huh. keep on chugging along that machine. So I was I felt comfortable doing a little hedge with Kawhi. I never felt comfortable putting a dollar on that son of a bitch. Stat grabbing West Russell Westbrook and I stand by it.
0: And I know, and, and of course this is how it's gonna turn out. We have Harden, we hedge a little on Kawhi, and of course Westbrook's gonna win. And I wasn't as fortunate or uh wise to get in on it early. I took Harden about sixty games in or fifty five games in when he was minus one hundred forty and running away with it. And then all of a sudden you're right, Westbrook's triple doubles. They seem to matter. Like everyone's like, Oh, triple doubles like Yeah, he takes twice as many shots as the next guy like as hard not I, I don't I don't get what everybody's in love with and then I think the votes are already in by the playoffs so it won't matter but Westbrook that team just died in the playoffs, but then Harden's team, same thing. He he just he just exploded and nothing happened. So I don't know where we stand. I think we're going to lose the bet only because that's that's how it goes with us. But I haven't seen, I yes. haven't had an opportunity to hedge. I don't think in
5: in like forty five days. But uh, yeah, I, I think we chalk that up as a loss. <laughs> but yeah, um, that, I'm going to lose Coach of the Year. I have a Coach of the Year a little action on uh, Coach Stevens of Boston. You don't get the benefit of the playoffs. If we had the playoffs, I think Brad Stevens might have gotten another another look. DeAntoni didn't really do anything to distinguish himself in the playoffs. Yeah, you're right. You're um, right. And the Rockets kind of, you know, imploded against against the Spurs. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, I I we we the last 10 days of the season, everybody got down on their knees for the for the Holy Grail, this this great big nine inch or triple double dong. Yeah, everybody had to get down on their knees for that. It's like he's been doing it all season. He has an unprecedented usage rate. You just said this, right? But that it snatched away, snatched snatched victory away from from right where we were uh, poised, right on the brink of a, a wonderful win with with uh, James Harden.
0: Yeah, I said it before. You know, give give. Westbrook, the Sports Center MVP, give him as many ESPYS as you want because you know you can make the highlight reel, but you can make a pretty spectacular highlight reel highlight reel of his misses as well, and uh, it's pretty good. But listen, let's get to golf before you pick your winner. That there's a lot of props. This is like you know Super Bowl of golf, and really, with there's hundreds of props you could take. You could bet if Phil is going to play it. Right now, it's eight to one odds that he is going to play. He has his daughter's graduation. Is this a good excuse? I mean, Tiger has a pretty good excuse for not playing.
5: What about your daughter's graduation? Is this is this worth taking at eight to one? So I I like this this story. I mean, I you know, you have to, to um, imagine that Phil has looked at the mirror and, and reached a conclusion about where his game is at this moment because his um, performance in the US Open, you know, it's a, it's it's a it's a legend. It's for our era. Um, those of us watching golf and, and you know watching Phil, how close he's come so many times to winning the U.S. Open. If, if, if he really believed that he had a genuine shot to win this week, I think we might not be talking about his daughter's graduation. But look, let's be generous. Let's be charitable. It's Father's Day weekend. I'm going with an all-Father's Day theme. We're going to talk about it now with Phil. We're going to talk about it with another guy who just had his second child. And mm-hmm. so I, I'm gonna say, yes, Bill is gonna play. I'm gonna put a little taste on the eight to one. I like it. You know, the forecast keeps calling for rain. I don't know whether where we are in terms of anticipated delay due to thunder or lightning, but I, I don't care at this point. He just needs four hours. I think God's going to give it to him because it's Father's Day weekend. Phil is going to play 8 to 1 little taste on that.
0: All right, I like that. I like that cuz it's such a stupid bet and, uh, and yet you have to take it. <laughs> now this daughter, like I don't know. I I agree with you. I was like maybe Phil's afraid. Maybe this is a tournament he knows he can't win. And it, should we even check if the daughter's graduating? Like let, let's let's take a look at that program, but we'll take his uh word for it, 8 to 1. Now there are some other weird stuff. Like will there be an albatross? Now, this the hell out of me, um, but maybe you could explain to me what an albatross is. It's 12 to 1 that there will well, be.
5: It's, it's a legendary bird. It's the rarest of all birds, allegedly. <laughs> um, that's what they say on all the golf broadcasts. I don't. I have no idea whether the hell or, or not it's the rarest of all birds. In golf parlance it means that you have achieved a score, three shots be, so, below par. So there's two ways you could score an albatross. You can either on a par 5 knock the ball into the hole in two, Mm -hmm. or on a par four... Knock the ball in the hole, so you would get both a hole-in-one and an albatross. I don't know how many times that's happened. Wow. Um, I strongly recommend against uh, touching the albatross. Okay. Not only because I who who the hell knows what its beak and, and talons and teeth are all about. Right. It's the rarest of all birds. I'm, I'm concerned about getting anywhere near it. Mm-hmm. It never effing happens. I mean, the last one was this guy, Louis Oosth- mm-hmm. um from South Africa, did it at the Masters four or five years ago, but uh, otherwise... It's a sucker. They have to pay me two hundred to one to even consider
0: wow. it. Wow. Okay, but okay. So, and uh, thank you for the history behind that. So it's a birdie. It's basically a birdie, but a, a rare birdie. Is that is that where is that where they're going with that? The the rarest of all birdies. Of all birdies, I got you. All right. Now lowest score over under sixty five and a half round. So what is that? Six and a half under par. For around Is that right? That, I think so. Yes, exactly. All That's right. right. Which That's way right. which way are you going? This is a big course, right? It's a it's a giant Wisconsin course. Aaron Hills, um, lots of boomers in there are gonna uh, do well. Maybe not the
5: putters, Big but, Ballpark. Right. What which so you, you, six and a half. You know how I do. I got, I have my men on the ground. It's not just you know, I got Shaq from uh the legendary Ringer podcast, Shack House. Mm-hmm. I Of course, I have my man Jeff Shackleford there on the ground giving me reports, but I also have some other guys. You know, I can't uh, – J- Jeff is a is a media person. He has a lot of responsibilities. He can't be on the grounds at all times taking into account all of the factors that are important and relevant to wagering like this. It's, and it's it's crucial to have information from a lot of sources. So I have a lot of men on the ground, men and maybe a woman or two. Oh. And – The report that I'm getting is that this course is going to be uh, some opportunity for low scoring. So you're going to hear a theme from me. I'm going to go under on the lowest score. I'm going to go under on the cut number. I'm going to go under on the winning score. I'm just going to go under, 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 because there is some thought that the combination of the rain that is forecasted every day, Mm -hmm. which leads to soft conditions... And these guys, when they get, they have an opportunity to fire at pins, with the with the sublime skill they possess. They fire at the pins, cuz. Right. Um, But the combination of the rain, plus these greens are apparently in pristine condition. Mm -hmm. If they're a little soft, firing at pins and they're going to be rolling them in. We like the low scores all week long, cuz. Excellent. So, so when you say low
0: scores, the cut over under is one forty eight and a half. So that's is that plus four and a half. So you like it. Yeah, plus four and a half. You like it under so I'm, that. I'm
5: going under on that, like plus four for that one.
0: Yeah. I like to do those will he make the cut parlays, right? So I string <laughs> together. Too! Yes, you do as well. We string together five of the top players for like, we try to get like even odds or a little better. And we basically go four out of five every time, right? Which top player do I stay away from? Do we stay away from this
5: time? It it hurts my feelings. To talk about this guy th- this way, because we're, we're so uh, ripe to have him on the main stage. I really want him back on the main stage. I mean, I you know, I feel like we could be at a place where the main stage is important. Here, next on the main stage, here comes Rory. Really? Rory, you're next on the main stage. Rory McIlroy is hurting my feelings because he's not playing any golf this year. Mm-hmm. He hurt himself before the season started, um, trying out equipment, allegedly, uh, he he battled back from that injury. Then he then he had another little relapse. Then he got married, and the dude is just not playing any golf. And he is um, in many respects this sort of best foil for Dustin Johnson. Two guys who hit the living daylights out of the ball, and we're we're deprived of Rory and DJ going head to head. Now Rory's coming back to this U.S. Open, but the U.S. Open is not the tournament you come to when you haven't been playing. With any kind of reasonable expectation. So Rory appears on the the silly odds to win hmm. as a plus, a th- like 10 to 1. I mean, that's that's just otherworldly ridiculous. I'm fading Rory. The other guy I'm concerned with, and this is one I'm truly torn on. I, I'm just not quite ready to make my ultimate um, picks in terms of what I'm going to... I'll put it on the Twitter tomorrow. I like to put out my full menu All right. on the Twitter. But Ricky Fowler is in form this season. He's been excellent. A lot of people are circling his name. He's on here at 18-1 to 1 to win. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't like that he's missed the cut at the U.S. Open two of the past four. Okay. It just gives me a little concern. I don't want him to break my heart. And back to Rory for a second. Isn't he trying a new putter? He's trying a new everything. He's, he yeah. just signed on with a new equipment sponsor. He's got the, the, a new ball. Now, he claims he's been testing out all this equipment during yeah. the entire you know really since Nike um you know surprisingly folded up shop but that that ain't no way to be that's not who I want i don't want guys out experimenting
0: who's your mid range pick who do you like who's a middle guy let's say like thirty forty
5: to one right in there fifty to one can maybe two, jump up I have two guys two guys at forty to one and it's funny, the narrative around Aaron Hill, so leading into, uh, Shackelford and I have been talking on the Shack House podcast. Um, you know, trying to get our gauge which way we would go, and there was a lot of feedback from people, um, guests that we had on the show, and other people in the mix that this is a good golf course for the for the long hitters. And now that it's it's the actual week of the Open, a lot of people are poo pooing that that newly developed conventional wisdom and saying, oh, well, maybe it's the case that the long hitters, if they can hit it straight, would have an advantage. But you know, it's still, it's still always when it comes to the U.S. Open, position golf and everything like that. I, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't like that. Um, you know, Johnny come lately you know, smarter than the average bear kind of bullshit. I don't like it when the basketball guys with the advanced metrics do it, and I don't like it here with with the golf. I'm sticking with the original narrative. The big bombers are where it's at. My guys on the ground tell me when they're watching some of the practice rounds here, they're seeing the longer hitters as much as 60 to 70 yards beyond where where kind of an average hitter can put it, and it's translating into a real advantage. So two guys at that 40 to 1 number that I like— Brooks Kepka that's mm-hmm. a US guy he's finished inside the top 20 in the last 3 US Opens um, he's in form he's had a um, a series of top 15 top 20 performances this season he just missed the top 20 what was it St Jude this past weekend St Jude that's right, right. just exactly. missed it yep. yeah Kepka's at 40 to 1 the other guy that I like at 40 to 1 Thomas Peters hmm. so he's 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 Belgian and he was the real hero for the European team at the Ryder Cup. Went five and zero in his very first start in the Ryder Cup. Five and zero—that's unprecedented. Set that record. He 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 was either tied for the lead or among the leaders at the Masters after day one. He is an incandescent talent. He can go uh, as low as anybody, and he has two two different little statistical angles that I like. One is very um, decent. Uh, notwithstanding the fact he's got a reputation of being a big bomber, uh, well earned reputation of being a big bomber, but he's also got a very solid greens in regulation average, nearly two thirds, sixty seven percent, very healthy, very healthy. And then the other thing, there's this is a deep stat that I got um, from a little inside source. Apparently he is excellent uh, playing under uh, playing greens that are surrounded by shaved areas. Are you familiar with the shaved area approach to greens? No. Should we be talking about this? Oh, just on the greens. Yeah. Okay. I feel like no. we're we're gonna proceed gingerly. We're gonna proceed very gingerly. Okay. Kind of like what you might see at a place like Pinehurst, where there's a there's a green that's sort of a little bit elevated, and then all around it, it's very short grass. You know, it's a very tight lie. There isn't a lot of grass to catch the ball. So that if you um, aren't precise, if you aren't comfortable hitting it off that kind of surface, you can hit it over the green or you can be intimidated by, you know, trying your approach. You might not f- try and fly the ball um, to the where the pin is because you're playing kind of defensive golf. Uh-huh. He apparently leads um, over some period of time um, he leads that category, uh, the, the 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 shaved green lie category. I don't know what the right name is. I'm sure there's a technical term for it, but he's very good at it. Thomas Peters is going to get a little bit of my capital, cause okay. forty to one. You heard it from me? Now look, nobody had, in a hundred and four years. It was the last time a first time winner. I mean, a first time participant in the U.S. Open has won. Um, but I, you know, this guy is 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 unprecedented. So I'm giving him a little taste. All right, so. Uh, Brooks Kopka. Is that it? Kepka? Kopka. Kepka. <laughs> Kepka, sure. You, Kepka. You no, know, you can't get it wrong.
0: Forty to one. I, I sure can. And Peters at forty to one. Those are your long shot mid range mid range guys.
5: Are you ready to give me a winner? So this is dumb. Uh I'm not gonna bet this, but uh uh Dustin Johnson is incomparable at the US Open. All right. He has uh three top fives in the last three opens. He um, is a brand new daddy. This is the Father's Day theme. He just had another um, kid on on Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was a little boy. Um, I understand that he arrived at the course with a swagger. He draw, you know, he he's sort of walking around like he owns the joint. Mm-hmm. Um, he has shown over the course of this season and and an incomparable skill. It's why I'm so mad at Rory M- McElroy, the only one that could get hot enough to really challenge DJ. And I think DJ deliberately called called everybody off his scent with his uh, missed cut at the memorial. The oh. last time he played competitively, he kind of stunk a little bit. And I think that was to throw everybody off the scent. Now, he still can't get them. Seven to one odds is is horrendous. Mm-hmm. You can't touch that. You can't get fair odds in, in golf. I mean, Tiger Woods won like 14 of, of 80 appearances or something like that in, in the majors. And with you know, second all-time behind Jack, so you can't get fair odds uh, in golf. but um, DJ, I'm going to put a taste on him because if he's I want it to be Sunday and I'm, and I'm watching it, I want, want to have the winner. The guy that I like that I think can win at odds that are just a slightly more fair is Justin Rose. Justin he, Rose. he, okay. he showed s- such a good head on his shoulders at the Masters. He has a major's mind. He's already won uh, the U.S. Open once. He has um, a great track record at the Open. He has a great track record in these big events. He won the gold medal, um, which was, you know, in in some respects, gold medal at the Olympics last year. A, uh, that is similar in the sense that that's a course nobody played before. Um, he did. He went. He did his homework. He mapped it out. There's also this idea, one of the course designers has um, observed out loud that he thinks a European player has the best chance of winning this because the course has a lot of features that these guys are comfortable huh. with, like blind, blind tee shots, blind second shots, uneven lies, and he thinks that it's going to fit you know th- those guys, what they've grown All up right. with. All right. So 20 to 1. Justin Rose is is my pick. He was oh so close with the Masters. I think he's ready to repeat as U.S. Open winner.
0: So Kapka and Peters at forty to one are long shots. Put a little on DJ if you want to just have fun watching Sunday. You like Rose though, right up there with DJ at twenty to one. Those are good odds. I have Jason Day. I don't know much about anything, but I have Jason Day. I think he's the only golfer to make the cut in all five of the last five uh, Opens. Um, he's coming off a great finish at the Memorial. I mentioned. Uh, oh, he's one of four. I'm sorry. He's one of four golfers who made the cut at all five. Four top ten finishes in the open. He he does well on these big Wisconsin courses. I think he won at Whistling Straits. I have Jason Day, but I think I'm going to put Day in the top ten. That's minus 105. That's going to be my best bet. Do
5: you? Uh, is that okay? Do you see him as a top ten guy? I str- I can't say enough how much I like that bet. I'm going to put, a, you know, that's like a two-unit or three-unit bet Ooh. for how much I like Jason Day and the form that he's in. And I'm also gonna play him top twenty. The top twenty odds are a little more stinky. Minus two fifty. Is that what I'm saying? Right. I think that's about so right. two, yep. you know. That's not that's not great, but still you're, you're you just observed a lot of very strong and then he's trending in the right direction. He had a great round on the Sunday of the memorial. His caddy says he's he's, he's got a great big um tournament in him, the way that he's been working and, and, you know, everything in his life has settled down. His mom was battling cancer earlier this season and it kind of, uh, that coincided with the masters. So he didn't, uh, perform, you know, up to Jason day standards in the masters. He still had decent, but, um, uh, you know, I, I like day. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Joe, thanks for everything. Listen, go get something to eat. You,
0: uh, you're you about to pass out any minute, I could tell. But that, that was great analysis. We're going to have fun. We're going to win some money. Let's destroy a buffet sometime soon.
5: Let's do it. I can't wait because maybe somebody could take a picture or a little video of it. And then maybe this time we'll have a different outcome than the last time we were together. I think
0: I'm done with video e- eating and videos, but you know what? I don't think I've ever done Fogo de Chao with you. Have you ever done that Brazilian? Uh, they're not oh, a sponsor. Oh, green, green
5: card, green card, green card. That's it's the right. only time a green card, you know, tr- Donald Trump will allow us to hold up a green card perpetually.
0: Exactly. They, if you keep it green, they keep serving you meat. If you turn it to red, they stop. And yeah, we're you and I are on green the whole time. I can imagine that they have to get me. They they have those those giant knives. And they they basically just stab me in the chest and wheel me away. That's the only way to get me out of there. That's, but that's our next day. We're like doing Like green that. means go. That's right. Green means go. All right, Joe House. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Love you, cuz. <laughs> All right, buddy. That'll do it for another episode of Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. You could be eligible for our Degenerate Gamblers Hall of Fame. Just email me with your bad beat or obscure betting story at Cousinsal at gmail.com. Tweet me at the Cousin Sal. Jimmy Kimmel live this week. Jamie Foxx, Andy Sandberg, Two Chains, and Draymond Green is on. That's that for the Degenerate Trifecta and Joe House. I'm Cousin Sal saying so long and happy handicapping. Nah, nah, nah.